So we are uh, in the third week of this um, teaching series titled You Are Here, and uh, I think we're having some fun. It's kind of challenging, and um, the goal here is to start the year off with five weeks of just kind of reflection and giving us a chance to kind of look at our lives, become a little more aware of how we've arranged our lives and uh, what's going on, and particularly four categories uh, of our life. So last week, Wendy talked about work, so that's the like productive kind of area of our life, um, the things that we do that are productive, sometimes paid, sometimes not paid. Um, that includes things like school and things that we do to serve our family and our community and jobs we get paid for um, sometimes too. So uh, it was a great message, really good stuff in there. So if you missed it, it's on the website. You can check it out there. Or if you need a refresher or kind of processing through some work stuff, then... Um, you can check it out on the website. So next week, Wendy will be back up here talking about love. Um, so it's the category of like all relationships. We think of love as like, we tend to think like romantic stuff or whatever, but it's all kind of looking at all of our relationships. And um, Wendy gave me a little of the inside scoop, and I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good. It's going to challenge us all a little bit. And then um, two weeks from now, Alberto will be up here talking about play. So that's the delight and play that God um, has in mind for us in the way we sort of structure and live our lives. So today we're talking about health, which that's why I brought bread. Clearly, if you're going to talk about health, need some bread and butter and, um, and jam in the room. Or at least that's the way I, um, I think of it when I'm talking about health. So in my early, uh, in my 20s, so in the early years of uh, Wendy and I, we got married. I was 20 when we got married. Uh, so in, in the 20s, in um, early years of my life, Wendy had this mission uh, that she settled on at some point to reveal to me all of the, like, weird, strange things about my family, <laughs> which, you know, is a very loving thing to do. You need to know your family's weird, so I'm going to help you figure that out. So, um, you know, sometimes that would just, it was stuff that annoyed her. Sometimes she would just kind of laugh in my face. And you guys probably can't imagine Wendy doing something like that, but let me tell you, especially in our 20s, uh, she's not in the room, so she can't defend herself. <laughs> but um, so at some point in my 20s, Wendy, um, she gently <laughs> helped me become aware of something that I didn't really realize that I did, and I certainly didn't know much about where it, where it came from or uh, wasn't very self-aware when it came to this particular thing. So. Um, she, in her wisdom, of course, recognized this thing that I was doing as goofy and that I needed to, like, just be, be a little bit more aware. So she began to point out all of the occasions when I would say something along the lines of, um, I need something special to eat. So I would say something like, oh, I need something special to eat. That usually was, like, at the end of the day. Maybe it was stressful. Maybe I was dealing with some kind of emotion or whatever, and I was like, I need something just special to eat. So Wendy was like, you need to know you do this all the time because sometimes getting something special to eat wasn't enough, and so I'd need something else. And, uh, and then I'm just like on this evening rampage of figuring out the perfect thing that's going to do whatever it was that I needed to get done. So Wendy would do um, something like this. She was, you know, very kind uh, in how she would do it. And she would um, she'd be like, oh, do you need something special? Something like that. That was kind of the voice that, oh, do you, do you need something special, Larry? <laughs> so, you know, which is very effective of like, what are you, what's going on here? Why are you doing this? So, um, so you know, kind of helped me realize there was something up because I was saying this an awful, uh, an awful lot. So 
Wendy's like reflecting this back at me and trying to help me become aware of what's going on, all for good reasons, I'm sure. So thank you, Wendy, for helping me be self-aware. But um, there's kind of a story behind this, which I started to realize as I unpacked and processed and, uh, and worked on this a little bit over years. Honestly, I'm still, I'm still trying to figure this out. So, um, but anyways, there's a, there's a backstory. So this, it just so happens that this was the line that my mom would use when I was like a little kid and was like scared or sad or whatever the emotion was, which there was lots of crazy emotions when I was a kid. And so uh, this was a line that my mom would use, like, oh, well, you know, you need something special. How about we make something special? And so mom would whip up like homemade bread, you know, homemade bread is special, uh, or like cookies or pastries or comfort food or whatever. And, uh, and she would give us something special to me and my siblings to, um, to help us kind of distract us or whatever from uh, whatever emotion we were uh, we were feeling at the time. So mom couldn't fix what was going on, what the problem or the pain or whatever, but, you know, she could make some homemade bread or some long list of lovely things. So that was her approach to, um, to kind of help. So that's where it came from, this special thing. And so I was like, we're going to talk about health today, which sometimes stirs up some challenging emotions. So we should have something special in the room, clearly. So we need bread and butter and jam. Uh, so feel free to go back. You listen to what I'm saying. You're like, Ugh, uh, I'm feeling something. Go get some bread. Go get something special. You have my permission. It's a family, a family thing. So, all right. So we're uh, we're getting into this co- this um, this topic of health, which uh, stirs up all sorts of things in our minds. What do we mean by health? What are we going to get into? Uh, so I ran across this uh, poem a couple of days ago, earlier in the week by uh, a poet, Leonard Cohen, and I just want to read, I think I've got this up on the screen for you. So this is Leonard Cohen's poem. The blizzard of this world has crossed the threshold, and it has overturned the order of the soul. The blizzard of this world has crossed the threshold, and it has overturned the order of the soul. The blizzard of this world. Painful, sometimes traumatic childhood experiences, Difficult, broken relationships, things that people have said to us, different seasons in our life that have stuck with us for years, financial challenges, health issues, oppressive forces at work in the world, political climate, unjust systems and laws, on and on and on and on, the list of this, the blizzard of the world swirling around us, blowing and storming, uh, this chaotic storm around us. The blizzard of this world has crossed the threshold. It'd be nice to say that um, the storm is just out there so we could close the door and have something special to eat and the storm wouldn't bother us. We can kind of lock ourselves away from the storm, but we know it just doesn't work that way. It's not just out there. It is broken into our personal worlds and affects us um, deeply. It has overturned the order of the soul. Where once there was order, where God created for there to be order. Down in the deepest places of our being, the storm has swept through, keeps sweeping through over and over. And as it blows and rages around us, it overturns the soul. It rearranges our inner lives, brings its chaos, its destruction, even into our deepest places. There's nowhere safe for us from the storms of this life. So my kind, dear, gentle, sensitive mother, watching her son uh, and her children experience the storms, the blizzards of this world, 
um, suffering under the impact of those things. She did what she knew how to do, to comfort and distract her children as best that she could. Um, but she could not reorder my soul. She could not put together, back together, the things in my heart and the things that were inside of me. So Wendy mentioned last week that it's, um, it's difficult for her to, as a teacher and a pastor here at Everyday Church, to stand up here and um, when she can't find easy answers to the problems that we deal with in life. So when she's talking about work last week or loads of times we get up here and she's not alone in this and we have a topic like health or work or whatever it happens to be and we want to stand up here and give easy answers to things and, oh, you know, here's what you need to do. Um, when we can't do that, it's, there's a struggle in that. It's painful and, uh, and frustrating and sad. And so I realized I would, um, when it comes to health, I'd love to stand up here and give you uh, the seven steps to a healthy life that in 30 days is guaranteed to, you know, for results. Uh, it may make me think of P90X. I don't, you don't have to raise your hand, but I don't know many P90X folks are in the room. So P90X is just a, it's a if you're not familiar, it's like an exercise thing. It, the concept is, um, like, do these absolutely insane exercises for just, for only 90 minutes per day. And you're guaranteed to have a beach body. I mean, what I, I think it worked for Butch. He left the room, probably because he knew I was going to say something about this. But, you know, it worked. Butch has got a beach body. But, hey, you know, it doesn't work for a lot of us. I had a friend who loaned me. I think I requested them. <laughs> I don't think he was like, you need some P90X in your life. But I borrowed his um, P90X videos, and I gave it a shot. You know, I was more on the, like, 45 minutes every few days um, for, like, a month. And uh, I didn't get a beach body. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I guess I didn't do it quite enough. I did get the pain and the inability to walk for several days <laughs> after. Uh, but, you know, we like to think of things like that. We want people to hand us something that, like, it's this easy sort of solution to whatever it is that we're facing. And I wish, you know, that health was like that, that we could kind of just throw things out there and, um, and find some easy solutions. So just to be clear, this series, this entire teaching series, it isn't about giving us answers to work and health and love and play. You Are Here is about raising our awareness, giving us a minute to just slow down and start the year off reflecting and processing and uh, looking at the ways that we've sort of arranged our lives. We talked about a few weeks ago, loving ourselves means that we slow down to listen. Listen to our bodies, listen to our hearts, listen to our spirits, what they might be trying to tell us. What might God want me to hear and to see and to sense that's going on in my life? What does he want me to, to know about myself? And, uh, and so our goal in the series is just to give us a chance to slow down and process and reflect. And so um, today, this is not about me standing up here and telling you that you're healthy or not healthy or how to be healthy. Um, I, I'm not going to give you a list of do's and don'ts. For a healthy life, um, the goal is just to give you some space to listen to, um, to your heart and your body and your spirit and spend some time uh, talking about um, our lives a little bit. So I was, um, I think I, as I was processing through this series, I was a little to a lot stressed at several points where I was like, ah, I'm talking about health, what am I supposed to say? I realized somewhere along the line that I don't have like a theology of health. I can't easily lay out for you, like, this is what God thinks about health. Uh, and I had this feeling of, like, I'm supposed to be able to do that, aren't I? 
And I was like, okay, that's, if that's the expectation you guys have, sorry, go get some bread, because that's not, <laughs> that's not happening. I, uh, I can't easily lay out for you, this is what God thinks about health, because there are so many circumstances in our lives that make easy lists of do's and don'ts, or easy ways of looking at something like he- health, um, just not fit, just not work, and not really be um, helpful for us. So I started to think back through my childhood, and... Um, what the church of my childhood and the Christian communities that I grew up in had to say about health. Um, this, uh, the body is the temple of God. That was a line that was thrown out. So, I mean, if the body is the temple of God, then you need to eat your vegetables. That was kind of the, that was kind of the idea. I don't know that they actually said eat your vegetables. They might have, but, uh, but it was this idea of, like, the body is the temple of God, and so dot, dot, dot. That means all of these sorts of different things. And Scripture does talk about our bodies being the temple of God, but they really misapplied that concept. It was talking about the idea that God lives with us and his spirit dwells inside of us, and it was a very spiritual and significant thing, but it was often used to, like, scare people out of smoking and getting tattoos or whatever, like, oh, your body is the temple of God. You have to be perfect because the body is the temple of God. And uh, that's not really all that helpful when it comes to the concept uh, of health. And so I was like, all right, can't learn a lot from my childhood messages. Um, so what am I going to do with this? What do we do? How do we, how do we process through this idea of health? Because we all have health that we need to be wrestling with. So, um, so how do we approach this? So praying and processing and trying to figure out what God might be saying to me and then what he might um, want us to spend some time on. Uh, I came across just a concept of health that was, that was like, oh, okay, as a novice, I can get my mind around this, and this might actually be um, helpful for us, the way we look at sort of the wholeness of our, of our health. So I'm going to share some stuff with you, some funny stories and, uh, and some scripture, but I just want to start out with a disclaimer. I am not a doctor, and I am not a therapist. So you have complete rights to dismiss everything I say as another pastor talking about some crazy stuff. All right, so just so you know, if you don't know this, pastors make things up all the time. So uh, hopefully, you know, that's not something you experience here with Wendy or Alberto or Matt or I. Um, But, you know, pastors make things up sometimes. So if you're just like, whoa, I don't get this, it's okay. You're allowed to dismiss it and go get some bread. That's the answer to all of our problems. All right. So here's what, um, what struck me as I was uh, sort of processing and praying through things. This is nothing like amazing, <laughs> all right? Brace yourself. This is not that exciting, <laughs> all right? But I think it's a helpful way. So in the world of medicine and health and all the sort of peripheral things that surround health through history, as a novice, I would sum it up this way. Symptoms, root issues, or root causes, and prevention. That's kind of the three kind of areas or approaches to to medicine and to health-related things of all different sorts. Symptoms, root issues, and prevention. So symptoms, that's all the outward stuff, the external stuff, the things that we can observe and notice. Root issues, root causes, that's the deeper stuff underneath it that's bringing those symptoms about. And then prevention, that's the idea that there are things that we can do that might help us to avoid those root causes, root issues, and symptoms in advance to kind of help prevent some of those things from happening. So, for instance, here's a, here's a funny example. I get um, a crazy cough and a tight chest when I eat sometimes. That's a symptom. That's weird. It's unpleasant sometimes. It's not devastating, but, you know, every once in a while I'm like, <coughs> what's happening? 
I don't know what's going on. And it's, it's always like right after I eat something. So, you know, that's a symptom. So I've decided this year, I'm 43, it's about time, to, uh, to try to figure out maybe what that uh, is coming from. And so I'm going to dig in a little bit, try to process and figure out maybe what's causing this. What's the root issue to this issue? And it might be something, likely it's some sort of allergy. So something that's going on in my body, an allergy to something uh, that my body is reacting negatively to, and it creates these, uh, these symptoms. So that's my theory. So symptoms, root issues, what about prevention? So with this one, I haven't, I haven't gotten that far yet. I haven't figured out exactly how to prevent this thing. I gotta try to sort through it, but it might include something or things that help build my immune system and help me kind of get my strength up so that I'm less likely to uh, be susceptible to allergic reactions. But well, more information, I'm sure it'll be a great story someday, I'll tell you all about this, but. So just a you know, silly example. So for the sake of the message today, I would like for us to think about health in three sort of large categories, um, physical, emotional and spiritual. So physical, uh, emotional health, and spiritual health. Now, you could expand each of those and dive into each of those and come up with a lot of other areas uh, of health. You might be able to add some um, things to that, uh, those three. But for the sake of our sort of reflection and processing uh, and self-awareness today, we're going to kind of think in those three categories, physical, emotional, and spiritual. Um, also, it's important to realize that all three of those deeply affect one another. So if I'm struggling emotionally, then that, we know this, it affects our body, it affects our physical health, and it can affect my, uh, my attitude, my relationship, my connection with God. In the same way that the stuff going on inside of my body, the physical stuff, uh, like illness or brain chemistry, all those sort of things, affect our emotion and uh, affect our attitude towards God as well. So those, those three areas, while they're sort of distinct categories, they're very interconnected because of the complexity um, of us as humans. And I think this idea of symptoms, root issues, and prevention really can apply and be a way that we can kind of look at these different areas uh, of our life. So here's another funny example. I didn't get your permission to talk about this, Lily, but hey, I'm going to do it anyways. So uh, <laughs> silly. It's silly. So the other day, um, Lily was, uh, she was having some neck pain, and um, she uh, apparently she talked to Wendy about this. She didn't talk to me. She talked to Wendy about this. And uh, they came up with a long list of scary, terrible root causes. <laughs> so like, oh, this could be this, and this could be that, and oh, this is really scary. So then that evening, before she went to bed, she walked like past me, and she was like, oh, my neck really hurts. And I was like, oh, really? What's going on? Tell me about it. And I asked her a few questions, and uh, I was like, where is it? Like, does it feel like it's on the surface or down deeper? And, uh, and she, was, she was like feeling, she was like, I think it's kind of along my throat and it's kind of more surface area. So just so happens, uh, and I knew this and we started chatting, that um, Lily has been doing some crazy uh, ab challenge, exercise ab challenge that she got from one of her YouTube celebrity something, I don't know how it works, but she's got YouTube people that she follows. I suspect many of you have YouTubers that you follow. And uh, one of them threw out this ab, you know, exercise challenge thing. And Lily, I don't know if you're still doing it, but she's been, she was doing it for a while. So I was like, oh, hey, you realize that sometimes when you're doing abdominal and core exercises, that can like strain your neck because you're like, you know, doing stuff and trying to keep your head on attached and it can put stra strain on your neck. So sometimes that happens. She was like, oh, yeah, I, I just this morning did like some insane, crazy crunches, a bunch of them. I was like, ah. There you go. Okay, so symptom, you know, neck pain, root issue, crazy abdominal exercise challenge, 
prevention, stop watching YouTube. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Symptoms, root issues, and prevention all wrapped up in, uh, in a nice little bow. So, um, so we've all heard of doctors that, um, that like really focus on, sim we've had these frustrating moments where a doctor will just kind of latch onto our symptoms and they're not really seeming to want to look below the surface and find the root causes uh, or talk about prevention or whatever. And uh, so that, that happens, we know that. The conspiracy theory is sort of that, and the, there's a lot of truth to this, that uh, Western medicine makes a lot more money from dealing with symptoms than they do dealing with uh, finding and identifying and, and fixing root issues and, and investing and promoting uh, prevention. So if we're preventing these things from happening, then we don't need doctors in the first place. And so there's this cycle, and there's a lot of abuse of that, that situation. And we've all kind of experienced or heard stories of doctors who do that. So this idea of uh, symptoms and root issues, root causes, and, uh, and prevention, it's something we can kind of get our minds around when it comes to the physical health stuff. But what about emotional and spiritual? How does this maybe work with, uh, with emotional health or spiritual health sort of categories? So Let's use my example of, um, of special food, of like having special food. This was, this is helpful for me because it was a journey I kind of went through. So for years of my life, I was actually unable to connect with my emotions. So I couldn't discern what I was actually feeling, um, especially with difficult emotions. So if it was a difficult emotion, I had a very difficult time sorting through what I was feeling. So think of it this way, the symptom here for is Larry has a hard time connecting or discerning his, sorting through his difficult emotions. I would describe that as kind of a symptom that was going on um, through my life. So what might the root issue of that um, be? Well, thankfully, Wendy helped me figure out one of my root issues, that uh, I had been conditioned by my lovely mother to avoid, actually, these difficult emotions by covering them up with something special to eat. And so I learned to feed my emotions, not discern them and process and spend time with them. Uh, and so that is this sort of root issue, this thing I'd been conditioned and learned to do that I was then applying to these difficult emotions as they rolled through me. And so thus I was not very connected to the difficult emotions that uh, I was dealing with in uh, the course of my life. So over the years, I've gotten a little better at preventing that particular issue with emotional healthy skills that we spend time on here has been a big help. Support from friends, Wendy helping me see myself in a little more honesty. Um, contemplative time with God and just slowing down and spending time reflecting, counseling, talking with counselors and th therapists to help me sort through some of this stuff. So, uh, so you know, I've done some work, gotten a little better at preventing the, some of the issues that are there. Uh, that particular disconnect between me and difficult emotions. But honestly, the fallback is special food. <laughs> That's still my default. Well, this stuff, the preventative stuff is just not working. I'm just going to have some bread or make some donuts or whatever. So, uh, so kind of gives an idea. That's an emotional, a picture of an emotional situation. It wasn't specifically physical related to my body. It wasn't necessarily a spiritual thing. It was emotional struggle that I was having. Noticed some symptoms. Started to process with some help over years. Uh, to sort through that and identify from the symptoms what some of the root issues might be and then begin to examine and think about um, some preventative sort of stuff. So what about, um, so the emotional health category, I don't want to oversimplify this. Um, the symptoms from emotional health uh, struggles for all of us <coughs> create a lot of different, the, the root issues create a lot of different symptoms. The symptoms show up in lots of different ways. Vices, addictions, extreme emotional highs and lows, 
uh, bouts of uncontrollable emotion, unhealthy relationships. We don't always think of that as an emotional thing, but unhealthy relationships, oftentimes it, some root stuff there is emotional health related that's affecting the way we interact and connect and love one another. Instability in different areas of our lives, jobs, finances, those sort of things. Those are all, and there's lots and lots more, things that sort of point to something emotional that's going on, uh, symptoms that we can kind of look at. The root issues underneath that, the causes that are deep down in, those are vast and many. And sometimes we can sort through that stuff on our own. Sometimes with the help of friends and family in a context like this, we can learn to help one another be more reflective and process some of these things and identify. But oftentimes uh, it's some something that we need help from a therapist or a counselor. Somebody that we can talk through symptoms, things going on in our lives, and uh, get some help really wrestling through root issues and, um, and preventative sort of things, or things that we can do that help us deal with some of these emotional health things. So what about the spiritual health category? So does this idea of symptoms, root issues, prevention apply in the spiritual kind of part of our health? I think that it does, but I also think it's very difficult to give examples and it's difficult to, um, to get our minds around because like with emotional health, it, it's interconnected with all of these different parts of our lives, work and relationship and money and fun, the way we use entertainment, all that stuff. It is all mixed together, and so it's very difficult sometimes to sort through the, the spiritual stuff. So uh, I just want to give you uh, one example. This is something I've observed that's very common among um, Christians and I think among humans. Um, a root issue and some of the symptoms that kind of uh, grow out of that when it comes to our spiritual, our spiritual lives. So many of us grew up in churches and in cultures with various... Uh, unhealthy spiritual sort of ideas or practices. Uh, maybe grace wasn't a concept that you learned or experienced. Uh, for a lot of religious people, the focus really is on rules. It's on the externals, on the symptoms, on the behaviors that we see on the outside. So if you do this, God will not be happy with you. He's not going to love you or not going to be okay with you. If you don't do these things, then God will like you. He likes you better if you avoid these behaviors or you don't do this sort of stuff. And so we're conditioned to see our spirituality as a list, sort of, of good and bad, and we measure and judge our spiritual lives on our behavior, on these symptoms, on these external, external sorts of things. The do's and don'ts, following rules, thinking the right thoughts, uh, all of that stuff. I heard it referenced um, years ago, which is very helpful for me, this idea that our faith is about sin management. So really rolling through life as a faithful person is really about how well you manage your sin. And if you don't manage your sin very well, then God is not happy with you. And if you do manage your sin really well, then God is happy with you and he's okay um, with you. That there is some element of all of this that's earning or functioning in a way that God will approve of us and be okay with us instead of disapprove and not okay and not happy with us. And I think that's a very common thing for us um, to sort of function with. So if that root like thing that you experienced, the way you were shaped in earlier parts of your life or in the early days of your faith and your relationship with Jesus, uh, that spiritual sort of root issue, it, it might show up in a variety of symptomatic sort of ways, like never feeling good enough for God, like he's always disappointed with you, maybe um, you find yourself wondering if God really loves you, or you have this fear that you're going to lose that love and that approval or God's um, pleasure in you, that if you slip up, you make the wrong choice, you think the wrong thoughts, 
then you're going to lose something that you used to have with God. It's um, it's not a very it's a very common symptom, and uh, and it's related to a spiritual health sort of thing. These root issues that have been embedded in us and things we've learned and been conditioned in earlier parts of our life. Uh, so. This idea of symptoms and root issues. It is a way in which we can reflect and look at our physical, li- physical health, emotional health, spiritual health. That gives us a little bit of a handle on kind of how to look at these different areas of our life. Because the truth is we are prone as humans to look on the outside, to look at the external stuff um, and not the stuff that's on the surface, the outside behaviors, and not to begin to look inward and try to identify the things that might be underneath those, um, those symptoms, the deeper issues that they might, um, those symptoms might be pointing to. It's not easy work, and it's not always um, particularly fun. So we can laugh about it sometimes, but uh, it's challenging stuff. So last year, we l- took some time to look at the life of David in uh, Old Testament scripture. If you uh, remember, David, God chose David to be the new king. This was like 3,000 years ago. Chose David to be the new king. David didn't know this. No one knew it. And so God asked Samuel, his prophet, to go and to anoint the new king, to anoint David. And so Samuel is on the job. He's going to anoint this new king, and he gets a little confused um, in the process. So he's going to this family where the king is. David is going to be anointed. And Samuel's like, gets a little confused and thinks like, maybe God doesn't want David. Maybe God wants David's brother, uh, Eliab. Uh, because David's brother was really large, he was like a big dude, and he was really handsome. That's what we know. He was tall and handsome. That's what we know about Eliab. And Samuel was like, but this is the guy. I mean, come on. So listen to what God says uh, to Samuel in 1 Samuel 16. The Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height. So he's talking about David's brother, Eliab. Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at, People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. People look at the outside stuff. God is looking at the inside stuff. We get caught up in the symptoms, the outside behaviors, all the external stuff, but God sees what's going on underneath the surface of our lives. So Jesus uh, regularly got into discussions with people about this outside-inside sort of things. Uh, In fact, the religious leaders of Jesus' day uh, the very religious, the people would have been considered very religious. They often got on Jesus' case because Jesus and his disciples didn't function the way that they thought that they should. And, uh, and so they'd pick on Jesus, they'd pick on Jesus' disciples because they were doing the wrong things and sometimes they weren't doing the right things. And so Jesus would often respond to these uh, accusations and these conversations in a similar sort of way. Your words, your behavior, the outside stuff, the symptoms, flow from what's down inside of you down where these root underlying issues lie. So on one occasion, Jesus said, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. On another occasion, Jesus said, it's not what goes into a person, it's not what you take in that makes you unclean, but what comes out of them, what flows from our heart. That's the stuff that Jesus, this this idea, this concept that Jesus was um, constantly pointing these religious folks root issues and hard stuff, and out of that is what these symptoms, these behaviors, the things in our life flow from, both good and bad. 
So I want to share one last story that I think is helpful in just kind of getting our minds around this idea and some really uh, important things to notice as we're thinking through this um, health stuff. So it's a story of a young man that uh, we reference periodically. Uh, it's a kind of cool story in scripture in Jesus' life uh, of a young man who, who had quite a bit of wealth. He was, a, he was the wealthy young man. So we're told that this guy had lived a very religious life, a spiritual um, life, that he had followed the commands, the things that God had asked his people to do, that this young guy had done all that stuff. He was really obedient in following all the rules. And th so the story paints this picture of the outside of this guy's life, the sort of external stuff. And, uh, and it seems, if you were to look at him and the way he described himself, he's got it going on. He's got things kind of um, ordered well in his outside world. So Jesus looks at this rich young man, and this is really cool to me. He looks at this rich young guy, and he loves him, the story tells. That Jesus looked at him, and he loved him, which I think is something we need to hold on to. That he commands the rich young, he commends this rich young man for his outside life, for the way he's living his life, the way he's arranged things, and his obedience, really, Jesus commends him for, but he says there's still something missing. He commends him for the way he's living his life, but at the same time, there's something um, that's missing. Something that Jesus sees, some root issue, something going on inside uh, that, um, that we might not notice and that this young man hadn't noticed about himself. So Jesus then tells him to go to sell all that he owns. He is a wealthy guy. Go and sell all that he owns and uh, give it to the poor. And then return and follow Jesus. That's what he says to this. Go and sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and come back and uh, follow me. So I share this story for a variety of different reasons. It is a really good example of God's perspective on things. That we tend to judge by rules and following and these external behaviors, but God is looking at our heart to see what's going on there and see what might be revealed by the way we've structured and are living our lives because he's more concerned about what's on the inside in our souls. It's a good example of a religious person who follows all the rules and still has something missing. It's really easy for us to think, well, if I do the right things and I check the boxes, I'm good. And this is a case of a guy who was doing that, but still something was missing. It's also an example of Jesus loving us even though there's something missing. His response to this man was loving. He loved him when he saw him. He recognized the wholeness of his life, internal and external, and he loved him even though there were some things missing and he didn't have it altogether of Jesus gently and kindly opening this man's eyes, opening our eyes to help us see the unhealthy things that are going on inside of us, the root issues, the stuff that we don't tend to look at or want to, Jesus gently walks us into that stuff to, um, to see and begin to, um, uh, to, be to raise our awareness and function maybe in a different way. And I also want you to catch um, just one other thing that we kind of see here that I think is pretty cool. So, this is a glimpse, this story is a glimpse of what I, I will, uh, this is, I'm being silly by saying this, but I think there's some value in the, in the sort of seeing it this way. That Jesus is presenting to this guy the ultimate preventative health decision that he can make. So Jesus doesn't shame this guy and send him away. Get out of my sight. You're a mess. You don't have it. Something's missing. Go away. He doesn't shame this guy or load the guilt onto this guy. He doesn't condemn this guy. He actually invites him into relationship with Jesus. His response to what was missing, his response to the brokenness of this guy is, come and join me. I love you. Come and join me. 
Come and walk with me and live. We know from Jesus' life the way he invited people into his life to journey with him for years, to be his friends and his companions in this mission that he was on, to live their life. And that's the invitation that we see him give to this guy. Come and follow me. Go back, sell it, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. So the story doesn't tell us exactly what the root issue is um, that Jesus sees in this guy or what Jesus sees that's missing, but he tells him to go to sell his possessions and specifically to sell his possessions and give it to the poor. So we know from Jesus' life that his mission was very clear. Jesus was very clear on what his mission was. It was to restore humanity, to remind all of us, especially the people on the margins, of their God-given dignity, to heal the brokenness of the world, to stand against injustice, to bring shalom, peace, healing, to bring this sort of restoration to the world, teaching us what it looks like to love God and what it looks like to love the world the way God loves the world. That this is the mission that Jesus was on, and he invites this guy into that mission. Sell your possessions, bless the poor, come and follow me, join me in this mission that I'm living on. So go set aside whatever it is that's distracting you. Come and be on mission with me. Yeah, there's something missing. There's something not quite right in the way you're living. There's a root issue. There's something there, but nothing that following Jesus can't deal with. What Jesus wants most of all is not people who follow the rules, and yet their hearts are far from him. What Jesus wants is people that engage with Jesus, that enter into relationship with him, to follow him in this journey of loving God and loving the world the way God loves the world. And he invites you and me into, with all the messiness and disorder of our lives and our souls, he invites us into that. He doesn't judge and condemn and push us away until we've got it right. He invites us to come into that and love, live our lives alongside of him, learning how to love others well. So Everyday Church's tagline uh, is pretty simple. We'll, you know, we don't talk about this a lot, but every once in a while, this, uh, we'll, we'll weave this into conversations. Um, Everyday Church's tagline is pretty simple. We're pursuing life-changing relationships with Jesus and the family of God. That's the simplest way we can kind of summar, sum up what we're about. Pursuing life-changing relationships with Jesus and with Jesus' family that we get invited into and get to be a part of. So we're walking together and we're walking with Jesus, joining him in his mission of restoration and healing and shalom, bringing peace to our community, loving our neighbors and loving one another well. So our goal when it comes to health is not beach bodies. You know, you can go, I got some P90X videos if that's what you need, but um, our goal is not beach bodies. The same way that the goal last week in Wendy's message on work was not the most amazing job making tons of money. If you listen to that message, that's not what you're hearing in what she talked about last week. Our goal is walking with Jesus. It's being a part of his family. It's living on mission. It's loving God. It's learning to love ourselves well so that we can love others well in that same way. And so when it comes to our health, physical, emotional, spiritual, greatest preventative measure is following Jesus, joining his family, getting involved in this journey and living on mission with him. And when it comes to symptoms, to all the external stuff, um, it's not about judging or condemning behavior. It's about looking at those things, these external things in our life, and trying to see what they might be pointing to underneath. The stuff that's going on inside of us that God might want us to become aware of and journey into um, in the course of our lives. So um, 
In each of our messages in the series, our goal is to spend a little time uh, at some point reflecting. And so I've got uh, a worksheet that we're going to do together today. And I'm going to give you five or seven minutes or something like that to just spend um, processing. There's a long list of questions uh, that I don't know. There's maybe five or six or something like that. And some of them might be easier. Some of them might be more challenging. There's not enough time for you to really process through all of those. So it's something you can take home with you and spend some time with. So today, I would encourage you to kind of look down through the list and maybe notice one or two questions that kind of jump out at you. Or one or two that you feel like, okay, I'm in a place where I could spend a little time on that. Um, and, uh, and there might be some others you're like, well, I'm not ready for that. That's, that's maybe later. So uh, just spend some time, reflect on the questions, get a pen and, uh, and kind of take some notes and I spent a little time processing through some of this idea of symptoms and root issues and prevention and what God, and what God might be trying to, um, to say to us.